I did was just form an LLC, which was not the right entity to form, made a ton of mistakes. And I went to um, a networking meeting called the Senior Umbrella Network. And I just started saying, hey, I got a business. I got an LLC. I don't have a website. I, it's all me. I'm going to do, I'm going to answer the phone calls. I'm going to do my own billing, but I'm going to take care of these patients. And now I have a business. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew from that. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your Nine to Five show, where we bring you inspirational guests who have either helped others find work that is a great fit for them or they've done so themselves. Our guest today fits into that category we're about to hear from Mike Zagari. Mike is going to tell us a little bit about his journey. But before we even get there, Mike, we barely had a chance to catch up before this episode. So I'm as excited as the listeners to find out more about you. But even before we jump too far and tell us a little bit about who you are personally, I honestly don't know a thing about you, which makes this really exciting. Um, and kind of get us started on your journey of how, of how things started for you. All right. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to share my story with you guys because I have seen both extremes. Right now, I'm really, really, really happy with my nine to five, but I've been through situations where I was not happy whatsoever, where I woke up okay. in the morning with that sense of dread and just couldn't wait to get through the week so I can get to the weekend. And right now, I can honestly say that Monday is better than Saturday, and uh, it is totally possible. And the way I was able to do it was I was able to really get clear in my mind. Um, I'm a recovering physical therapist. I had to make that decision when I was about 18 years old to go into a profession. And I really had- Hold on, a recovering physical therapist. On the other side of the wall um, that I'm in right now is where my physical therapy department is. So tell me a little bit more about what that means. Right. So recovering in the sense that I just didn't have a lot of fun as a physical therapist. I love the concept of helping people and being active. And I knew that when I was 18 years old, if I could put those two things together, I, I thought that would be my recipe for happiness and success, um, which I should have known as I was going through college when my hair was falling out, that maybe it wasn't the right position or place for me. However, I just went through it. I got through not with flying colors. I barely scraped by because I really wasn't passionate about it. I just kind of figured this is the route that most people have to go through. They get a job, they go through college, they go get a job, and that's, and that's it. And then you go throughout your day and make money, and uh, maybe the fun happens when you're in retirement. So uh, oh, Hold I went, on. I'm going to cut, cut him right there because this is so different, and we'll get right back to you. But this is so different from what we usually hear. This was a man with a plan, right? You didn't just say, you know, my friends are becoming physical therapists, so I'm going to become a physical therapist. You had a very specific reason why you thought it would be a great fit for you. And why you did think that, you know, this would really work. It kind of blended two very important aspects of your life and you went for it and it didn't work. Why didn't it work? It didn't work for many reasons. First off, I think I was a little too young when I made that decision. I really didn't have the clarity in, in my mind in terms of what I wanted to do when I grew up uh, at that awesome. point. And I made okay. it at 17. So that's very early in life. Well, well, what type of setting were you working in? I was working first in outpatient, um, outpatient setting, and then okay. I quickly transitioned over to home care because I figured that was the easiest way to start a business. Meaning you started your own home care company? 
Yeah. So I recognized right away that physical therapy wasn't right for me for many reasons, um, mainly because we had to see way too many people and Medicare and all of these insurance companies were requiring more from us, which was taking a lot from our patients. And the combination of, um, you know, a lot of extra paperwork, which I hated to do, uh, seeing more patients and just not getting reimbursed as much as I should for my profession. I was like, man, there just had to be another way. So around 24, 25, I figured that other way was to start my own home care agency because then I could at least leverage um, the help from other therapists to build a big business. I wouldn't have to have an outpatient clinic, rent, all that kind of stuff. And you I wouldn't have the overhead of, of an outpatient facility. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I had no money. I was completely broke at 24, 25. So um, I wasn't really good at saving. I had a nice car, all the bad things, all the things they tell you not to do. I was doing that at 24 and 25. You were enjoying your life a little bit, spending the stuff that you worked hard to earn. Yes, I was living in the moment and spending. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so you decided, but that that's very aggressive of you. That you know, it's, um, most 24, 25 year olds don't think along the terms of starting companies. They still think of themselves, I, I like to call it the pawn stage, where they still think of themselves as a cog in somebody else's wheel. And, you know, where am I going to get the salary, the benefit, you know, what's in it for me? But you already started thinking differently. Well, what what made that that shift in your mind from being a physical therapist, working for somebody else? And I know you hated it, but that that's that's a big deal to start you know starting your own company. Even though you're right, you don't have the same overhead, but that something must have happened. Uh, did any particular event occur? Well, I think um, when, whenever you started a business, I've started now. I think four different businesses. I think ignorance is really bliss in this case because when you start a business, it's like you don't really know the mountain you're about to climb until you just get started on in the process. So at the time, I was 24, 25. I was working full time at an outpatient clinic and seeing patients on the side for a home care agency. And I quickly said to myself, "Well, why am I making X amount of dollars when I could be making double that if I got my own patients?" So really, okay. what I did was just form an LLC, which was not the right entity to form, made a ton of mistakes. And I went to um, a networking meeting called the Senior Umbrella Network. And I just started saying, hey, I got a business. I got an LLC. I don't have a website. I, it's all me. I'm going to do, I'm going to answer the phone calls. I'm going to do my own billing, but I'm going to take care of these patients. And now I have a business. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew from that ignorant moment of my life where I thought it was going to be easy. It wasn't easy at all whatsoever. So, Wow. So there's a lot involved in a, in a home care company. This is interesting. It's probably the first interview I've ever had on my podcast that's slightly related to what I actually do. Because we do deal, I mean, as I mentioned to you before, I'm a nursing home administrator and we discharge patients all the time on home care. And yeah, relatively familiar with that. And there's a lot of regulations. There's a lot of uh, reimbursement challenges. Uh, there's a lot to just say that I'm a home care company. It's I'm a one-man show and I'm just doing it. So it must have taken a lot of courage and, like you said, ignorance. Total ignorance. <laughs> to some extent. Let me clarify that a little bit. What we did was yes. outpatient in the home. So all we needed was Medicare numbers, similar to what you would have at an outpatient physical therapy clinic. And then we would treat seniors who couldn't get to a clinic in their homes. It's a, There's a great need for it. It's kind of an underutilized thing. Um, and it was actually a really good business model if you could make it work. But uh, oh, oh, okay. So this is not what I thought. So it wasn't a full home care company where you have nurses, we have the full gamut of clinical services coming to the home. This was just, <laughs> yeah, which is, much. well, which is what I thought you did. Uh, so you're saying no, so you didn't do that. You just, it was just basically a mobile therapy group where we come to you instead of you coming to us. And it's not a patient, interesting. Does that, huh? 
Does that still that still exist? Is there such a model? I'm trying to think if other people do that. Yeah, it's actually a really big model. Um, I do it. I, I've done it in New York, and we were able to grow to about ten different therapists, about fifty-five to sixty active patients at every any one time. And then I was able to grow it so that we had a you know, basically all of our systems were in place, so that all the phone calls were going to another outpatient clinic that handled all of our work, but as our company. And it really worked out very well because if the systems are in place, this is in any business, then you can really walk away from it and free up your time to do what you really love. So thankfully, because the systems were in place, I was able to sort of let the therapist do their treating, let the home care agency or the, home, the, the outpatient office do all the paperwork. And as I was able to slowly start to migrate away from physical therapy. So, all right, two questions. Um, I think this is better that I couldn't print out the interview format because it's, <laughs> I think it's going to flow better. But uh, question number one is just a technical question. So basically, you kind of outsourced all of your back end answering the phones and all that to an outpatient clinic that's anyways doing all of that. And they just had, I guess, a portion of their business that was going to you. Is that kind of what you did? Exactly. I figured they're already there. And it was actually, I'm like psychologically unemployable. I got fired from that job. They, to this day, they said I didn't get fired, but I actually did. So basically what happened was we still became friends after that. And they were there for 20 years managing outpatient physical therapy. And I said, Hey, I've got this other clinic. Can you manage my clinic? Because for me to hire somebody, I didn't have the money at the time. And it really just worked out well. And then with a bunch of meetings, we got the systems up in place and they started managing my outpatient in the home clinic. Is that the same place that fired you? Yes. That's the funny part. Really? <laughs> so you were working there. They let you go. You come back to them. Hey, I have my own company. Can you manage the back end stuff? The technical, this is basically like the same paperwork you hated. Same reason why you didn't want to do physical therapy because you weren't really doing physical therapy. You were just documenting and, you know, a big portion of your time was doing technical stuff and you had to jam too many patients the short amount of time. So, this, yeah, so basically what you leave and then you come back. Wow. And, and, and they were, so obviously, obviously they didn't fire you for stealing stuff or anything really bad. They obviously, you left in a mutually respectful relationship so that they were able to kind of dig in really deep with you and, and deepen the relationship. Yeah, so I basically I couldn't follow their rules. Um, I, I guess I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I just like to do things my way. Not that I'm a control freak, but I, I just, I think at the time, I was more focused on my own business than working for them. Yet I had to work for them just to eat every day. So I think they kind of felt that, and they knew I was I working on my to own. that. Yeah, they knew I was working on my own business. Um, so then they, they kind of felt that I wasn't really truly there when I was there. And then when I left, which they, you, you probably really weren't. No, I was focused. I, you know, I, I was my own, I was one man rodeo. I had the phone calls <laughs> coming in. I, I missed patient calls. I was, it was, I was doing way too much while I was. Oh, still so you actually had your business up and running while you were still a therapist for this company. Exactly. That's what happened. That was a transition. So I took a leap of faith and I left that not with enough cases to survive, basically just left that and said, hey, I'm here full time now. Let me, let me make this work. I better make this work. And guess what? It took a while before it even worked. It was a- All right, that was my second question. Yeah, you know, you, so you started, this is a little bit crazy the way you started. So you basically, you're a physical therapist. You're working for this outpatient company. You start your own mobile physical therapy company on the side. Were you actually the therapist? Uh, you're a woman, so you were actually leaving work 
and then go into people's homes and seeing people there as part of your own company? I wasn't the only therapist at that point because it was about two or three years into it. There were several other okay. therapists and we had a biller. And uh, I think we had someone else helping us with onboarding of therapists and contacting Medicare, but it was very disjointed and unorganized until I got fired. And then I hired the company I got fired from. That kind of wow. put it all together. So, so how well, what's the timeline here from when you started doing this business on the side until you actually, until you, and not until you were fired, but until you had it up and running, until you had the backend stuff uh, by the outpatient company that fired you, until they took that over, like, well, what period of time was that? I think that was about three and a half to four years where it fully started okay. to gel. And in that time, you know, with a business, it's not just learning about systems and processes. It's also learning about advertising and marketing and networking and emailing and all these other amazing things that I didn't know it at the time, but I was learning a lot of tools and strategies to get myself ready for the next business. It was really what that was. Okay. So you're doing this. So first, a couple of things, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, you, you, there's a lot of get rich quick, you know, stuff out there and people say, you know, quit your job, start your own thing, just get out there. I, you just give a very realistic picture of what it's like struggling to maintain your full-time job you still have to pay your bills some of the time at least make sure the lights stay on make sure you can go to the grocery and buy food so that you can survive but at the same time it was a three four year process from when that started until you actually had you know someone else doing the back until you were kind of sailing along so right is, is that accurate yeah and let me unpack that process because it's not uh wasn't all roses it was um it, it was a lot of work internally on myself to get over some of the mind mental stuff that was blocking me from success and succeeding. So, okay. Uh, uh, so tell me more. Yeah. So, uh, it was a combination of learning about, um, mindset and skill set. So skill set is more for the business skills, right? Cause if you, if you want to have success in a business, you got to learn about the skill sets, um, everything from advertising to marketing and all this stuff. Now I had the, the luxury, of being able to drive around to treat patients. As I was driving around to treat patients, I would listen to book after book and podcast after podcast about mindset and skill set. So like I said, skill set is about learning your vocation, learning about how to succeed in business. But mindset is where I think a lot of people get stuck. And mindset's where I really did like the 80-20 was on, the, was on my mindset. I dove deep. I learned about um, the various things on like meditation, how to eat right, how to uh, start your day right with a morning routine. I went to a ton of seminars and courses and I worked very hard to eliminate the mental friction that occurs when you try to start a big business because a lot of demons can come up and it's about just overcoming some of those so you can have success, in my opinion. Wow, okay. So you kind of, uh, that was your long-winded answer to the question I asked you earlier because uh, like I told like in my mind I'm seeing that there are pawns and then there are players and you know some people have this mentality that they want to forever remain a pawn in someone else's uh game and that's okay first you know they, they don't want to ever have to worry about the business concerns they don't want to have to worry about how we're going to make ends meet how we're going to grow the business they just want to know tell me what to do i'm going to do it how much are you going to pay me and i can rely on that every week or two weeks or however frequently the paychecks come uh but and that's how most people start by default at least in my opinion, in my experience. But, and then some people kind of, they break out of that, I, you know, and they can eventually come and see a bigger picture. 
and they could come to a point where they're like, no, I can do so much more. I don't need a, you know, this is, everyone talks about trading, you know, dollar hours for dollars. I don't, I can, I can kind of create something bigger, provide more value. And at the same time, you know, earn more for myself. So that that's kind of the process. It seems like from what you're saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth that I can put them in my own mouth, but, um, it seems like you're saying that that was a big, you know, people don't realize that you could learn, you could teach yourself to do anything. As long as you're not physically handicapped, you can learn how to do, you know, just about anything with, with the right skills, the right, the right courses. And, and I, I'm, I'm going through the process that you're describing, which is why I relate to it. And I have an hour commute and I read all those books on Audible and I listen to the podcast and that's, I try to make some of the podcasts. Um, but that's really, you know, it's like you're breaking that glass ceiling. It's like, I am now someone who is, I am in charge of my destiny. I'm being proactive. I'm creating something bigger than me. I'm bringing a team together. I'm providing this massive value in ways that I couldn't do myself. And as a result, I'll be compensated in, in a similar way. Have you ever read The Big Leap? No. Um, yeah, definitely do. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And I apologize, I can't remember who the author is. But this is exactly what he talks about. It's like people have these glass ceilings where socially based on your family your environment uh you know whatever you've been exposed to you think that i can only go till here you know but past that that's that's not for me that's for other people the people who create companies the people who hire people the people who who can create products to sell for themselves while you're sleeping that, that that's not for me i'm a regular nine to five guy you know i'm someone who comes in and i punch a clock so, so that transition is a very significant transition. I'm happy to hear that from your experience that that is the biggest part of the transition, right? If, if, yeah. uh, if, does that fit with your experience? Well, yeah. So the biggest part of the transition was, um, like you said, overcoming some of those barriers into the transition. Because for me, it was overcoming all of these obstacles and feeling happy and feeling empowered and feeling peace, basically, for the first time. For a while, I wasn't feeling any peace. And a lot of that came through reading books like The Big Leap and going through that. But a big piece of it was also unlearning what I had learned throughout my entire life. Unlearning, um, you know, so many different things about how I fit into society. Uh, I, I can go on and on about what I had to unlearn in order to take my business to the next level. But it was a, a, a process more of unlearning than it was learning because I found myself like, I think a lot of people do this, like you have to work nine to five. Well, you know, now, I don't work nine to five. I work when I feel inspired. And when I feel inspired, I produce really good results in a short period of time so I can go do other things. This is an evolution of getting to that point of unlearning what we're ingrained. Like we go to school, we hear, you know, school bells and never, you know, we have to stay there from a certain period of time and go ahead and do homework and work, 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 work. I had to undo a lot of that. Um, not to say that being a hustler isn't a good thing. You have to hustle to a certain degree and get into your warrior mode. But what about, uh, what about allowing some of this great stuff to just come out of you? Because we're all gifted in so many different ways. And um, I found that the more clarity I had, the more peace I had in my body, the more my genius and my gift was able to shine through. So um, I don't try to force things. I try to do things powerfully as much as I can. That being said, it's not all the time that that happens, but uh, you know, that's something I had to unlearn rather than learn. So, you touched on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you said one of my favorite things, which I uh, believe very strongly. And I could, I could quote religious sources, which I'm not going to do right now. 
but even just from experience and from what you just described yourself is that every single person is uniquely talented in a way that nobody else is talented. And it's unfortunate that so many people um, sell themselves short. And even those who have been successful in defining what their unique skills and talents are, they don't necessarily fully maximize them or express them to the full extent that they, that they can. And I actually did not know this before this conversation, but this seems to me that this was a very conscious and deliberate effort on your part to actually find what that is and to really work within your zone of genius and let everybody else, you know, compensate and do the, do the paperwork, so to speak, you know, of, you know, of everything else. So, so can you, if you don't mind, I hope I'm not getting too personal here, but um, do you mind describing for us a little bit what that process was and perhaps you could share with us what, you, what the result was? Absolutely. Yeah. So from um, actually from a lot of pain growing up, a lot of family issues, a lot of pain with my, all that stuff that I had, I went through when I was uh, a teenager, my parents divorced, my sister was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It led to a lot of uh, internal pain where I was basically stressed out all the time. I developed a gambling addiction when I was 22, 23. I developed other addictions. I was trying to um, stuff that pain with various other things. So from that pain, and not to say that everyone has to go through that amount of pain, and I'm sure people go through more pain than I was going through, but from that pain, I knew that there had to be another way. So I started to look within and really try to get very clear. Um, and I did start doing things like meditation, exercise, uh, affirmations in the morning, basically stating uh, what you want in life. And I still do that to this day. Uh, going to personal development seminars, uh, even things like subconscious training, all, whatever I could possibly do to gain that clarity, to get out of the pain, basically, and to feel uh, the very best I could, to feel the most, most power that I could. I had no idea what road it would lead me down, but I found that the more clear I got internally, the easier it was to communicate with whatever higher power is out there, and it just came to me. And it's weird. Strange things started happening. I started being in the right place at the right time. I started seeing things and getting ideas that I never had before. And it was a slow process uh, over time. And I just ran with it. And here I am today with two additional new businesses in the last three years, all of which are seven figure, both of them are seven figures plus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know about that. All right, so we, we have a lot to get to here. I don't, I don't want to waste your time or anyone else's time. You got to get to that stuff too. But it, what I just want to point out, just it seems like from the way you're describing the process, that you are not trying to find what you, you are uniquely gifted in. You're rather trying to cope with, uh, you know, with the personal pain that you described and, you know, and how real it was and how it was negatively affecting your life. And through that process, it seems like this naturally evolved through, I guess, pulling away, you know, some of, you know, peeling the onion a little bit. And removing some of the more painful layers, you're able to, I guess, dig deeper into yourself and then allow yourself to shine and, you know, and allow yourself to do the things that, that you know, the things that you've already done. Um, is, is there, have you, again, uh, you'll tell me if you don't like to answer this question, but were you able to like come down and say, okay, my thing that I can do or my skill is X and this is something that, I always thought everyone could do. And then I realized that this is my thing. And, you know, I just love doing it. If I could do it all day, I would do that. Has it come yeah. so clear? And I know most people never get there. So it's okay either way. Uh, 
it, it has become much more clear, but it's not every single day that there, that clarity is there. For example, today I was dealing with um, that issues and tax issues most of the morning. And I can tell you when that stress is in my life, there is no clarity whatsoever. And I just want to get through that as much as possible. And it's very stressful. And I try to uh, you know, eliminate that kind of stress as much as possible. However, the clarity has certainly gotten a lot better. And um, there's an exercise that I really want to do. And I heard it on, a, on Joe Polish podcast called a Unique Ability and asking other people, people who you really are close with, what, you, what they think your unique ability actually is. I've and done this. You've done this, yeah. It, uh, yeah, and I got very interesting responses. Very interesting. So, it, ranging from shut up and stop doing weird stuff to some, some real valuable feedback. I would just caution before you do it, yeah, you should think uh, long and hard who you send it to, not just because of what they'll think about you. Um, I don't know if you care or not, but also, you know, some people know you professionally. Some people know you personally. Some people, some people don't understand what you're trying to do and then, you know, we'll take it seriously. And some people just say like, what are you doing? <laughs> some people even wrote like, is this spam? Did someone get a hack your emails? Like, no, I actually want to know this. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, that's, so that's on your to-do list. Yeah, and that's actually Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish. I should uh, correct that. But yeah, that's on my to-do list because then okay. you can find out what other people think your unique ability is. If I had to guess what mine is, um, my ability is, uh, I would say, is creativity. It's my ability to, to take a problem and creatively come up with a solution and really think big in that solution so that it takes, I know that it takes me out of the picture. So for example, if there's a problem out there, I might develop a software that I can work on and develop hard that would solve that problem, but ultimately I don't have to be around to manage the software. That's running on itself. So I can have the freedom, solve this problem, provide value to X amount of people, and then simply walk away to solve the next problem while that is either making money and providing value. I'm free and clear to do what I want to do. On top of so, that, uh, go ahead. No, so I hear from there, again, I hear from the two things. I hear from there, first of all, you said what your skill is. And, you know, your skill is being able to cut through to the meat of the problem and creatively uh, come up with a solution, perhaps software-based. Apparently, that's what you've done. I did look at your website a little bit. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but additionally, you also just shared with us one of your, uh, one of your very strong values, um, which is you don't... Two things. I guess this is going to be three things. Um, you don't want to be the person who gets bogged down with the details. That goes like, that's paperwork again. If you create a new software company and now you're the person, you know, supporting your customers with their issues in it and, and uh, rolling out the different elements of it, well, maybe that would be the creative part. But as soon as you're in the maintenance stage, that's it. That's not fun for you anymore. Fire me. I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's when you want to move on. And additionally, you, your value is that you don't want to have to, to have to be there to produce. Now, that's not exciting for you. You want to go on to the next problem. And obviously, you want to get um, compensated for the solution that you created, and you should. Uh, but that's, a, that's no longer exciting for you. Precisely. Yeah, it's no longer. I'm on to the next thing. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, the founder of Priceline, I heard him speak live. And he said it best. He said, the, um, the entrepreneur's unique role is to basically fire themselves out of a job. So if you're working on a business, you're going to go through all the stages of having to be in that business. And actually, you're, it's, it's a glorified job. It's not fun at times. 
There's a mm -hmm. lot to worry about. You're answering mm -hmm. phone calls. You're, you're the customer service at the beginning. You're pretty much everything at the very beginning. But the goal of an entrepreneur is to solve a problem and then fire yourself from that job and move on to the next thing to free yourself up for solving more problems. Got it. Um, okay. So, okay. That, I mean, that is, that is definitely fascinating. I remember as a, as a child, there was a certain person in the, in the community who was constantly opening stores, selling them to other people. And, and as soon as he would sell them to other people, they were all of a sudden started making so much money. And it was always frustrating for me. Like, why don't you just hold on to it? Again, I was probably not even 10 years old when I was wondering about this. And he, he was, everyone knew, just like any store that just became big, I mean, he just bought it from this person. Well, oh, the guy's wow. an idiot. He start, starts a store and then he sells it and then it becomes big. If you would, imagine if he would still own all the stores that he started, but it was, he couldn't, you know, and maybe, again, I, I didn't see the business contracts and perhaps he had ownership shares and, you know, I don't know exactly how it worked out. But the, it was clear this guy was a starter. This is what he liked to do, and that's what he needed to do. So if I was to ask you if you could pick the one task or the one aspect of your business that if you could do that and only that all day, every day, and not eat or sleep or do anything else, what would that be? I would say that would be create and develop new systems and, new, and solve new problems, but for the same company. So, like, you know, there's something called entropy that it, it, it's very real in business and I've seen it firsthand. Basically entropy is if you solve a problem and it's new and unique to the marketplace, there's going to be people who come off and rip you off within six to 12 months. It's just basically what happens or maybe the problem. Uber and Lyft. Yes. So <laughs> it, it, it's about in a physical product space, which I have a business called Easyology Pets. We create a, a product for pet lovers, but within six to 12 months, unless you have some kind of trademark or patent or whatever it is, 20 other people are going are gonna to rip you off and your sales might go down. So I have to be freed up to solve another problem for that pet space. So that's the whole cycle with my Easyology physical products business. And for my uh, software business, PPC Entourage, it's the very same thing. You solve a problem, you do what you got to do, but then in that same vehicle, so I'm not going off in 20 million directions. We're still laser focused on the software. We're now solving another problem that Amazon sellers have. Now notice I sell on Amazon with Easyology Pets and I have a software solution for Amazon sellers. I'm not um, doing physical therapy and Amazon. Those two things are completely opposite. My focus is helping and growing an Amazon business and that's it. Um, and it's gonna be that way for the next three to five years and in which case I will sell both or just continue to grow that on and start something new and stay focused on one thing. Uh, so this is so interesting because you, you know, you're saying that you're a starter and you're an entrepreneur and you like to start businesses, which by definition should sound like a very unfocused, like, like the example of the guy that I remember saying he started a, a pizza shop, a grow, well, probably most of them were food establishments. But the point is that even though I guess the myth is that the entrepreneur is just looking at all, every problem that he faces and just opening up, you know, people need to communicate with each other in real time with pictures and videos. Let me make a Facebook. Then you would imagine Mark Zuckerberg, you know, being frustrated, renting a car or finding a taxi and creating Uber. That's not how it works. Or at least for you, that's not how it works. And perhaps that's not, you know, you have a very focused approach to something that can be perceived as unfocused, you know, the, the common notion of a focused approach would be that I'm a nine to five person. I have my job. I stick to it. I come every day. I'm a faithful employee. And, you know, 
that's it. I'm, every day I'm getting a little bit better or not, but I'm holding on to my job. Hopefully I get promoted through the ranks and that's it. You're saying, no, that I'm going to solve this problem. Naturally, I'm going to grow through it and it's going to evolve to a, another problem, which I'm going to solve that one too. And to the next, they're all within the same general area, the same general market, which is what you're doing with your Amazon business. L- let's make this, um, yeah, let's move on to the next part, if you don't mind. And let's formally discuss your other businesses. So I know I heard about your physical therapy. Um, it's getting late. I, ho- I hope this is okay with you. Um, if we spoke about your physical, are you okay with this? Yeah, that's cool. Let's rock. Okay. So you spoke about your physical therapy part. And then um, you mentioned two other companies. So your physical products on Amazon and you're helping Amazon sellers. Um, and that's what I saw from PPC Entourage. So, Tell us what else you're doing. How did this evolve from the physical therapy business? First of all, does that exist or is that done? So I just recently sold my physical therapy business, which uh, about a month and a half ago. So I'm super excited about that. Um, nice. Yeah, uh, really excited. And basically what happened was about three and a half years ago, I was not, I was still, I was working super hard on myself. I had gained a million skills on marketing, advertising, mindset, spirituality, all of these different things. The, 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 the work was put in, but I was still about seventy-five dollars or $80,000 in debt. And that wow. debt was from, it was from, uh, basically it was from personal development and business debt. So I went to town on becoming the best version of myself. Uh, and I still do it every single day, but um, like investing in courses, investing in DVDs, books, all this kind of stuff, traveling the world to, to just get the education, Tony Robbins, whatever it is, to just erupt out of the funk I was in previously. So uh, I was still in a lot of trouble because of that. Um, and the business was doing okay. Ironically, when Amazon came along and I stopped focusing on the PT business, that started mm-hmm. doing a lot better. Um, situations unfolded where we got into a couple of assisted living facilities and all the patients just flooded in and I had the system set up. So that was working out really well. And then I had a coach at the time. Another reason why I was seventy to $80,000 in debt, he cost about 12,000 bucks in coaching. A lot of money wow. invested in, because he's a multimillionaire, I invested in him. And at the very last session, he said the most important thing in my life. He said, Mike, you are spinning your wheels as a physical therapist. You have, you have, you have it, you have the it factor, but you're in the wrong vehicles, which is exactly what he said to me. You're in the wrong vehicle. I go, well, you know, where now? He goes, I see you in, I see you in importing and exporting. And I didn't know what the hell that meant, but that was on a Thursday. And, um, I remember very clearly on Monday morning, I was supposed to go to the gym, but it was pouring rain outside. So I sat on the couch, uh, very early in the morning, about 4.45 or 5 in the morning, waiting for the rain to calm down a little bit. Apparently, I don't have an umbrella. But anyways, I was on the couch going through my Facebook feed, and I noticed uh, a post that one of my friends had put up there about drop shipping, which is all about buying stuff from one location and selling it on another for a profit. And for some reason, that video called me in. I watched it. I, before it even stopped raining, I bought the course. Went to the gym, came back, and started diving into that course. Uh, and I realized right away that there's a whole world of e-commerce out there. And I was starting at the very bottom rung of it with dropshipping. But slowly, because of the mindset work that I was able to do before, I slowly realized, well, there's got to be a better way. Got to be a better way. Got to be a better way. Um, along that process, I 
shut down the post office because we did what's called um, it, it's retail arbitrage and online arbitrage where you buy things online and you have it shipped to your house and then send it to Amazon to resell it. So you buy it cheap on, let's say, Toys R Us, send it to your house and sell it on Amazon. Well, I went insane and bought hundreds of things all shipped to my house during Christmas time. Post office got closed down. This was the type of scattered intensity that I had at the time. I had to channel it. But slowly but surely, I found the right avenue. And I found that in my, actually my cat who just left the room, we started a, a pet business or I started a pet business um, in selling cat litter mats. And I saw the problem. There was litter over people's homes and I wanted to solve that problem, but add a little bit of my own spice to it. And we made a very elegantly designed cat litter mat that just went gangbusters. I put it on Amazon and it, we now we still sell, we started selling like 10 a day, 20 a day, 30 a day, 40 a day, 50 a day. Um, we listened to the market, we made it bigger. Uh, and then before you know it, now we're selling three, 400 plus of those, just those a day on Amazon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that led Phenomenal. into my second business. So it was a beautiful thing. Wow. So, and that was, I uh, see. Um, so basically, so that's another thing that you, you you're a risk taker, apparently. Although you, ha, huh, well, let me qualify that uh, because you're a very thought out person. And you've done a lot of work, like you just described, you know, getting in touch with yourself in a very deep way that I think most people don't consciously do. You, but on the other hand, you put yourself in debt thousands of dollars because you, you really believed that you're going to see the return on the investment, which I believe you already have. And uh, yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's always a struggle for me. Like you invest in another course and another coach and another no, is it really going to work? Is it not really going to work? And you just did it. So kudos to you for doing that. So, so how did that just a little bit, just cause we're running a little bit short in time here. Um, how did this first business, this Amazon business, which you just described, how did that evolve into what you're doing now? And what does it say on your t-shirt and what does it mean? Right. So uh, 2015 is when I started the Amazon business, we were doing about 50 to $60,000 in sales a month. And then in 2016, hold on, hold on, say that again, 50 to $60,000 a month in okay. Amazon sales. Now that's not all profit figure about that. I understand profit margins. So now if you fast forward to 2016, the number one thing I wanted to learn on my board, I had a whole list of things I wanted to learn was Amazon sponsored products, which is their advertising, their internal advertising. So I dove deep into that. Um, at this time I stopped treating patients and I went full time into my e-commerce business because we were doing about 50 to $60,000 a month. And I dove into it, I learned sponsored products and we were able to bring our business up to about $250,000 a month because of sponsored products. Now, sponsored wow. products is a, a very early advertising system. It's growing now, it's better than it was in 2016. But think of AdWords, it's like- That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's like, it's like the early version of AdWords and there was no systems or tools to help Amazon sellers. Now there's hundreds of thousands of Amazon sellers. Everyone's got the same problem. I wanted to develop a tool to help solve that problem so that people can scale their business like I did. And it's very close to home because I was able to have a much better life because of it. And I want to help others do the same. So, so what is the problem that you're solving? Well, we're solving the advertising problem on, on Amazon, basically helping Amazon sellers gain more visibility to their products like my cat litter mat but do it profitably and not lose a lot of money. And there's ways you can do it, but you could also lose your shirt. So our software helps you gain more exposure, but also pinpoints what's not working. So you can reduce or eliminate 
the amount of ad spend that's going to what's not what's not working. Okay, so we actually had uh, someone on the show recently. We, we had Isaac Rudensky, who he went in depth and spoke a little bit about Google AdWords. So hopefully the listeners are familiar a little bit with how that works. So now with this, I don't, I'm not familiar at all with Amazon sponsored products other than, other than I see them. I usually don't click on them. I'm sorry. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I don't have this. It's just like the earlier version of Google. Maybe this is exactly what you mean. Like use in the in the earlier days of Google AdWords, you knew that if it said ad on it, it probably wasn't what you were searching for. Now Google has corrected and improved their algorithm so well that many, many times what you'll see in the organic results and in the sponsor results might be the very same thing, very same product. I've seen that many, many times. And the course that I took on this, it is one of the things that they show. And, you know, based on how you create your ads, um, you know, you'll score differently for on the, your quality score for Google AdWords, but with Amazon, so let's say I, you have a unique product. So if someone's putting, I'm thinking out loud, I'm just trying to say how this works. If someone's putting in, what's the name of your product? What, what would I put into Amazon? You can search for litter mat or cat litter mat. Fine, so let's say cat litter mat. So I assume there's a lot of them. A lot, Not right? Yes. So there are a lot of types, but yours is, is unique because you said you spiced it up, you added some features, made it bigger, you listened to what people said. So you want, you want, let's assume there's a hundred different litter, uh, cat litter mats. You want that when I put in cat litter mat, yours is the one that shows up. You might, they might all be the same, let's assume uh, the same price or pretty much the same price, uh, similar quality. And still you want me to buy from you. Now, why should I buy from you over somebody else when I'm on Amazon and obviously I do my shopping there? Um, you know, I'm going to look at the reviews. I'm going to sort it. I'm going to usually pick prime first. Then I'm going to sort uh, by price and I'll look at the thing that has four and a half stars with 2,000 reviews and you know that's a good item and you don't even care to look too much at the details. You just get it. So why, again, I'm asking a very basic question. Why would someone pick your item over someone else? And it's basically you pay the extra dollars so your item comes first or does it have the quality score um, element to it as well? I know I'm asking a very basic question, so I'm sorry. No, I get you, though. It's, the, it's a, this combination of, the both, of both of those things. So being up at the top so that you're visible on people's mind, sponsored products give you that initial visibility, but then you also want to have organic placement, just like you said with Google, so that people initially may see you on sponsored product, but then they hopefully click on your organic listing because now they've seen you maybe even three times at that point. They're kind of used to your name subconsciously. They see all of the reviews. Um, you try to have as many reviews as possible. And then it's a quick and easy decision, typically for people. We're seeing conversion percentages for Amazon sellers of like anywhere between 20 and 50%, meaning everyone who's clicked, 50% of people that click on that listing are buying it. Our main calendar amount, I think we're getting 42% conversions. So we know that if we can wow. put it up in, in the in top of that, um, of that result, then we're gonna make a lot of sales because people will likely click on it because of the reviews, because they've seen unsponsored products, and the conversions are really, really high. Okay, um, this, is, this is fascinating. We could go on all day about this. Let me, if you don't mind, one more question here. So basically, if I'm an Amazon seller, which I'm not, um, and I'm selling this product and I'm already working within the Amazon version of AdWords, right? That's basically what I'm doing. And I'm trying to get my product seen. And you also just pointed something out interesting that even if you don't click on my, uh, on my product, but it's exposure and you saw it, and the next time, you know, and eventually you may buy it, um, so now your software analyzes the health of my Amazon AdWords account basically and makes suggestions. 
Yeah, so it'll give you over, overall metrics, like how much you're spending per click, very basic stuff, but then it goes like into more, much more detail. We'll show you the exact search term that is costing you the most amount of money. So you know if somebody's typing in blue cat litter mat and they see your beige cat litter mat and it's costing you like 20 bucks a month, well, you can pause that and do a negative exact. So our software makes it very easy to do that. And we even have it now that you can do it on automatic mode. So you can basically put in parameters um, and say, hey, any search term that has seven clicks but no sales, I wanna automatically do a negative on that search term so I don't get hit anymore and lose money on that. Um, so that's the, ex uh, uh, that's the optimization mode. And then we also have the expansion mode because there's reports where we can find out exactly what people are, are, are thinking basically when they, when they type in Amazon, they're putting in search terms. We actually know that as sellers, and we can take that report and manipulate it through our software to show you where to invest the most amount of money to get the most amount of exposure to your product profitably. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, much, so much more we could, we could go with this, but it, it's, it's really like we do have to start wrapping this up. Um, but I, I guess the, I've, you know, we'll definitely put a link uh, to, you know, to your software, to your website and all of that in the show notes. But I guess the, the, this concept, it has, in order for it to make sense for uh, Amazon sellers, the amount that they're saving or the extra revenue that they're making, obviously far surpasses the cost of the actual software, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. Now, is this, uh, this something that you that you developed yourself? Like, did you become a software developer now also? I know nothing about software. Like I said, it's just the concepts and ideas. So creating the clearness in my mind to just solve a problem and then having the confidence to build a team and just bring it to life. That's all I do. Wow. So you had, so you had to get, get someone to make the software and get, you know, get people to make this all happen. Amazing. It's, it's been amazing having this conversation. I really enjoyed it. You shared so much and I could tell that we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Did you mention that you have a podcast yourself? We, funny you ask. We recorded the first episode today, about two hours ago. So it's called All, it's called all Avenues, the Amazon Traffic Podcast. And wow. we're going, to be going over every single avenue because there's other avenues to get traffic to Amazon, external, internal, all sorts of things you can do to drive visibility to your listing. So that's what the podcast is going to be about. Okay, excellent. So maybe by the time this goes live, you'll share with me exactly where, you know, send me a link or something. And we'll definitely share that with our listeners. Um, if there is uh, one book, I know that you've read a lot of books and they've made a tremendous impact on you. But if you could only recommend one particular book, is there one that you would recommend for someone who, again, not necessarily for this, if we zoom out a little bit, not necessarily for Amazon sellers, but for someone who is looking to find um, what you called their inner peace, to find uh, their unique skills and finding ways to apply, the, apply it profitably you know, to the world around them. Is there any particular book that comes to mind that touches on any of that? Right. The, the number one book that I would recommend is a book called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. It is a powerful, it's a really amazing book. It's a difficult read. I actually had to, I listened to all my books. I had to listen to this one several times. It's a horrible recording, but it had the most impact on my life. And it goes over the different emotional states and how um, if you're in a different emotional state, it resonates at a different frequency, vibration, and how, um, based on whatever state you're in, that's how you may perceive the world. And it goes over the different levels of emotional state all the way up until like peace and enlightenment. 
and how there's a tipping point where if you go past a certain tipping point, which is basically acceptance, um, and you go past that, then your life's sort of heading in a more peaceful, clear-minded direction. Whereas if you're below that, you're in like grief, apathy, fear, um, all of that stuff that goes below that level, then your life tends to typically just not work out. Uh, of course, we all experience all different emotions, but the point is to stay in that higher level as often as possible. And this book just gave me the clarity on where to be and how to get there. Okay. It's definitely added to my reading list. Um, it meant after my own heart. You also listen to your books. I, <laughs> I just love doing that. Um, you know, in the car, there's nothing else to do. It just, you know, it, it, it just works out really well. Um, if our listeners want to find more about you and they want to see, you know, learn about your companies, is there any one place or two places where is best for them to find you? Um, are you on social media too? Yeah, sure. I'm on social media. Um, my name is Mike Zagari on social media, or we're also, we also have a group called the PPC Entourage VIP community. You can find me there. You could also send me an email, mike at ppcentourage.com, or just head on over to ppcentourage.com if you have any questions about uh, what we do and any ways that we could help you guys grow as uh, e-commerce and Amazon sellers. We'd love to help you out. What about for beginners? You're just making right. some things move in my head right now. Let's say someone never sold before. Are you like really more for the advanced stage? And is there somewhere, is there a resource you'd recommend for someone just getting started? Yeah, so we are more along the advanced stage where people have a product and they're ready to advertise it. We're working on solutions for the beginner stage. But if you're just starting out, there's the Amazing Seller Podcast, which is really good with Scott Volker. There's tons of YouTube videos um, and courses. You really don't have to spend that much money. Uh, although I'm a big fan of spending money because like you said, I, I, I was 75000 to $80,000 in um, personal development debt because I put that stamp in the ground you know, and I think it paid off. So uh, if you find a good course that resonates with you, definitely go out there and do it. But there, is, there are free resources out there as well. You don't have to buy a course. Okay, Mike, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and for being gracious enough to go quite a bit over our allotted time here. Um, you've shared so much, um, you know, with our, with me and the listeners today. And I look forward to putting together the show notes and reviewing what we just discussed and sharing with everyone. So thank you very, very much. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it.